welcome to Between Two Trains, a bi-monthly business podcast that talks with the best and brightest entrepreneurs and business owners in North Cat region. Today, your co-hosts are Van Pappas of Oxygen Financial and Tom Abbott of Thomas Raymond Realty. And now, Between Two Trains. Welcome to another edition of Between Two Trains. We're so happy you're listening to us once again. Uh, we're here in the second month of 2019, and uh, we survived the non-snow day. And um, we have got some great guests. And once again, it's been quite a while. I've got my good friend. Uh, He's he is back. Tom Abbott, one of our original uh, founders and co-hosts. Tom, welcome back to the show. Thank you, great to be back. Yeah, it's been a while. Why has it been a while? You've just been all over the place. Uh, it's called real estate and the market's crazy and I've been busy. <laughs> yeah. Is that so? It, are we still like that or is the real estate market flattened off some? Well, it's funny you mentioned that. I was just looking at things this morning. So the real estate market is still moving and busy, but you're just starting to see the market shift. So we're going from this period of put a home on the market and then be under contract in hours and multiple offers. To this morning, I'm looking at listings that have been on the market for 90 days, 120 days, 160 days already. They were listed back in just, you know October and haven't sold. So it's kind of different. Do you feel like that's going to continue through spring or is spring, you know, typically people put their houses on the market in spring, right? No. So what we're actually moving into is we're moving into a normal real estate market that nobody has seen for so long that people kind of forget what it is. And a normal real estate market is put your home on the market and it takes 30, 60, 90 days to sell it, not be, you know, five or 10 offers and 15, $20,000 over the list price. So we're, this is, this should become the normal market and we hope it'll stay that way. We're also starting to see prices, you know, taper off from that massive climb. Uh, five to 6% per year appreciation is not sustainable. It'll make housing very unaffordable for a lot of people. So we're starting to see prices kind of start to, mellow out and level off a little bit. Well, we've got some great guests today, Tom. Um, They are in the real estate world, so hopefully you all can have a great conversation around uh, that. Obviously, more on the commercial side, not the residential side like you. Uh, Today, we've got Kevin Edwards and Amy, uh, Amy, let me make sure I pronounce this right, Grinelli? Did I pronounce that right? All right. I I always mess up on people's last names. And uh, they are with LRB. Everly, Everly, Everly Associates. I'm really bad with names. And so, um, guys, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for inviting us. And you did pronounce my name correctly, Kevin Edwards. Kevin Edwards, that's an easy one. (laughs) Perfect, yeah. Well, Kevin, let's start off with you. So tell us exactly what your firm does. Okay, our firm is a civil engineer, landscape architecture, and land planning um, firm entity here in the metro Atlanta area. We, uh, I think my elevator speech has been, we prepare the sites to accept the buildings, and which means that we will do all, if, if an architect, owner, client um, has a new building, new construction to, um, you know, for their use, then we, pre- we prepare the site in terms of the grading, drainage, um, best fit, best economic um, use of your land to make sure your building works and functions properly. So that's a short Still. That's the short version. That's the short version, right. <laughs> That's a lot of short versions. Well, yeah. you, have you done a project? Right, so now your business is not, uh, you're located not 
right inside, but just right outside of Shambly. We've had other guests come on that have been right outside Shambly. Um, and it's funny, y'all are in a complex that actually has Shambly in the name, right? What's the name of it? The District at Shambly. The District at Shambly, which is not actually in Shambly. It's in the part of the area on the other side of 285 that wants to be annexed into Shambly. We love people wanting to come in, and hopefully one day you can say that the district is actually That's in right. Shambly. Right. Um, but tell us, have you done any projects actually inside the city of Shambly? Is there one that you've done that you say, hey, we were part of that? Or? But even before I even say that, let me add that uh, our office was actually in Shambly for 10 years. We were right there on Claremont Road. We just moved in. Oh, okay. In, in fe- fe- this, well, this month, well, February will be one year since we one moved year. outside. And you know, at the time, that was when the negotiations were being done to incorporate our new park into Shambly. So our heart is here in Shambly. Okay. <laughs> it has been for 10 years. What caused that move? Was it just you needed more space or uh, because Shambly is starting to rise in value that the rents or whatnot were, were higher? Did y'all own the building or did you? Yeah. So the building we, we were in, we actually owned it. Um, mm-hmm. And after about five, six years, we, we sold the building, but we, we had a, an extended lease for ourselves to stay there, you know, sweet deal. Mm-hmm. However, with new owners and the cost, uh, the cost of uh, the rent, rental costs, which were in, increasing and the fact that we were growing faster than the building could hold, we'd have to either move to a different floor or kick somebody out from the next side. So with the growth that we were seeing, we started, you know, figuring out we probably need to move and we did look in um, a similar radius to where we were, to the city, to downtown, to where we do a lot of our businesses and, you know, end up being where we are today. Excellent. Now, how many employees are there at the firm? Yeah, we are 30 employees. 30 employees. Okay. And so uh, as far as what you do, I had mentioned, I asked a second ago, mm-hmm. have you done a project inside Shambly that you could say, hey, we were part of, or mainly your projects throughout Atlanta? You know, where, where are you mainly working? Well, we, uh, we mainly, we, we look at ourselves as a metro Atlanta, so because we have one office here, and um, we use the term civil. Civil is good to be where you are because it's a site-related project or product. We've done the CDC, which is in Shambly, We've done um, well, a couple of projects on the CDC um, campus, so you know we're limited in terms of how much we can talk about them. Because I was going to say, what can, what can you room. tell us about the CDC? <laughs> and a lot of them we can't. Did you take. have to go in with like a hazmat suit or? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing is, we all have to get clearances, and the clearances have to be kept up, and site visits and site photos have to be specific and managed and monitored. After the projects are done, we're not allowed to have a certain level of you know, project photography, because because even even for us to you know put that out there. So right, we've done several projects on on the on the campus, and um, which else? We've done. You did some planning stuff for the downtown. I, yeah, and actually, downtown. the yeah the pro, yeah. the project or the site that's you know um by Ingersoll Ingersoll Rand sorry across from the yeah that's a mouthful. Across from the post office, we've looked at that site a few times for different developers. We have, you know, like uh, second phase drawings to where we're going to put utilities mm-hmm. for previous um, developers. So we've looked at that site and um, a couple other retail projects we've looked at through the city. Right now, we're looking into 
being on the teams to, to pursue the work over by um, the the golf course. The, oh, the, the, um, yeah, the Jim Harn. Jim oh, Harn. oh yeah, yeah, the city bought the city bought the Jim Hearn golf range, and their plans are to move. Tom, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this. The city is going to move the police the public yeah. safety mm-hmm. building over to Beaufort Highway there. So y'all are uh, in talks with trying to be uh, as part of that project? Yes, because similar, because um, a lot of times and something that, you know, pretty interesting what we do, we tr- we're called on to look at several sites even before projects get going. So that's actually a site where we knew the, the seller, the previous seller. And we've probably done five, six studies on that site for different um, buildings. That's a footprint, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so it's always been an interesting comments. And the worst thing is in... Um, the cab had the county had upgraded their flood study. So when we did our initial study of that site and came back a couple of years ago, we had to give you know more information that well the flood plan actually changed. Really? Not necessarily in the good. I mean it's the, the newer studies. The intent was to get more accurate information versus the flyover. So oftentimes with the future build out, more current information, it doesn't. Well I believe that. one of the things, Tom, that the city wants to do is put some soccer fields, actually yeah. multi-use fields, Correct. that's what I should be calling them, because well, yeah, exactly. they can use them for lacrosse and anything else. So I'm wondering, do, do you think that knowing the information about the floodplain and what you've seen, is that doable? Can we put some multi-use fields there, or how difficult is that going to be for, for our city? So the, in, with the question of the fields, I think it's... Uh, that's a great location for fields because a lot of um, a lot of soccer fields, based on the use of land, the size of the fields, when you're not playing soccer when it's you know flooding most mm-hmm. times um, uh, by choice. So it's it's typically a good use for fields, flat, long, flat fields for that. The only concern I would have is more so if it's fields being used for tournaments or big groups coming and going after the public safety building and the parking that's allotted for that. Which which will have to be outside of the floodplain. How much parking are you going to have available for great moms question. and pops? And that's a great question. So that, yeah. that 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 would be interesting. Because let's be honest, the Jim Hearn Golf Range didn't have a lot of parking spaces because you would only have maybe a half dozen to a dozen right. people there at any given time. But you're right. If it's uh, you know a lacrosse tournament, you could have a hundred people there. Correct. And you're not going to be running across Beaufort Highway to. You're not going to park in the. Oh yeah, yeah. So, ooh yeah, parking yeah, across the street—that's a six-lane highway. Correct. So that—that that would be the only the fields. I think is a, that's an interesting challenge. I never thought about that. Yeah. So that'd be the that'd be the challenge. For the I was case. more the concerned fields. with yes. the fields washing away, but you're thinking that's not going to be a huge problem. No, that's I, I played my I played soccer during my life, you know, yeah. growing up. So that's that's one of the the pitfalls. Is a lot of times the soccer fields were in floodplain areas. Okay. So it's nothing new. So. So when you work on projects and go out and do site studies, do you do a lot of your your work before someone even purchases a property? Like they're trying to find out, hey, we want to put blank on this site. Will it work? And so do you go out and do a lot of that before it's ever even announced and anybody even kind of knows what's going on? Yes. A lot of times, uh, one of the, the funny things is we have a lot of projects in our office, Project X, Project Y, because a lot of times before the announcements are even the Sometimes even the owners agree to what they want to put on a parcel because sometimes they're even looking at multiple parcels for the same. So one, two won't go, one will go. So we're oftentimes, and actually we encourage that to 
don't just look at the you know the line to say okay this is where I'm going to put my product. Will, will it really work, or is it even cost effective to put it you know put your product here? Our job a lot of times is yes we can make it work, but it's going to cost you. You know it's going to cost you X, it's going to cost you Y. Walls a lot of dirty engineering. Have to bring engineering discovered that like in order to make it work we're going to have to build a retaining wall exactly. over here. That. Okay. Yes, plug planes, you know different mitigations that we have to do. So that is one of the key pieces where yes. So short answer yes we do. Okay. Look at things. That's before. the way we like to work. Is you know we can be more effective for somebody buying a piece of property if we can help them guide them from the very outset of how best to use the property. What you know? What are the stormwater requirements? That is it? Do you find usually in your business that if you do that study, that that developer, person, company, whatever, continues to work with you, or does it happen that you'll do a project, you'll do all that work, and then they hire someone else? later, like when they move the project forward, what's, how does that kind of work? To me, that's more the 80-20. So 80% of the times, because the, pe- the people who invest in doing the true due diligence on a parcel, and you give them the information, good or bad, and then they made their assessment, it's, pr- it's more prudent for them to come back to you and say, okay, take okay. this from here versus having to allow someone to get caught up to where you okay. left off. Makes sense. So yes, 80% of the time, that's how it's set up. Okay. Great. Well, I, I want to put you on the spot here for a second. Y'all said that you uh, do projects throughout the metro area that uh, you, you're all over. There are a lot of municipalities and different government entities all throughout metro Atlanta. Um, since you have to deal with these municipalities, and you're smiling, I see that. What, what uh, to put you on the spot? Is there one that you would say, "Hey, we really like working with this municipality. They're just really easy to work with." And then, conversely, the other end of the spectrum, is there one where, like, man, they are the worst? And I, I know you probably don't want to burn any relationships. So, you know, if you feel like you know you don't want to answer the second part of that, I understand. What's the best municipality to work with? What's the worst municipality? Or the characteristics of a good. Yes. There you go. Amy, correct one. By the way, Amy just put that. So the characteristics of the good um, jurisdictions or municipalities are the um, the order and the format, because most design firms, whether it's us as civil engineers or architects, we don't mind getting the rules. This is what you need to get done. This is what you need to get done. Whether it's a checklist format where we we get the checklist ahead of time. We see we have a hundred things to do. We get it done. The good jurisdictions where they have a format where you have a checklist that you follow. You go and you do your research. You provide the required documents, not short or not missing anything. And then once you return it, there's a scheduled set of time for revisions or returns. And then it's typically going down the list and said, this is what is good. You, or you got this, you didn't. And then you... Um, are able to close out. The ones that's tough are where you end up having every time it's a new review. You bring some, you you address comments and you come back and it's a brand new review and it's not tied to a checklist, so it's based on. Could you have not told me that when I was here last? Exactly, time. and it's based on and on on the individual reviewers that the projects go to. So sometimes you're like wishing and hoping it goes to this person versus this other person. So it's not a jurisdictional requirement. It's more for reviewer requirements on field. Well, here's an interesting take on that. So then another way to ask that question or a different way to look at it is, do you ever have a potential developer landowner come to you say, hey, we're going to buy a piece of property in X. You know, we'll leave yeah. X as whatever city it might be. And you guide them and say, okay, great. We'd love to work with you. I'd like to kind of let you know 
that it will be a very difficult process working with this municipality because of their process. And, and do you ever see that, one, does that ever come up as a conversation? And then two, do you ever, have you ever had a developer actually go, you know what, you're right, we're going to go look at a different location? Yes, we do. So, okay, um, just to, you know, stay close to home. So we're in here in the city of Shamley. Um, when I have projects where it's within the city, but it has a um, county around water and sewer mm-hmm. um, jurisdiction. So for most, for every one of our jobs that we're designing, this is a parking lot. There's a use requirement and there's a sanitary sewer expectation. So here where we are in Chamblee and Brookhaven and uh, Tucker, all the surrounding cities that have DeKalb County water and sewer, there is a known issue right now with the jurisdiction capacity. with their sewer capacity and sewer evaluation. So we have actually have a partner partnered with Stone Month and Stone Month and CID. There, um, they have a CID that's set up mm-hmm. for whatever projects they're bringing in to their CID. We do a preview to see what's the expectation of sewer, what capacity is there, or what time it's going to take to even get capacity to make sure that project can work. So, right currently, right now, one of our bigger challenges is projects that have the Cap County Watershed. Um, requirements. That's, I'm really interested in your statement about you partnering with the CID. You may not uh, know this, a lot of people don't know this, but there is actually an effort right now to create a CID in the Chambly area, um, up and down the Peachtrees and including parts of Buford Highway. And so for our listeners that don't know, a a community improvement district, that's what a CID stands for. And it's basically a self-taxing by the property owners. So an additional tax is charged to those property owners, a certain number of mills. But instead of those dollars going to the county or the city, uh, local municipality, it goes into a separate coffer that is then used for projects that those property owners deem as desirable. So I'm curious as to how did that relationship with the CID come about? Did y'all say, hey, we're going to reach out to them and form this relationship? Or did the CID, since we don't have one yet, is this something that could benefit our city by having the CID? Should our property owners be saying, yes, we need to be part of a CID? Because I think that's a big question when you have a lot of small mom and pop property owners who go, you want to tax us more? Okay, so good, very, very good question. So I guess let me answer this first by saying you're saying how did this our yeah let's start with relationship, the relationship first. Yeah, so our current relationship started because we were doing a, a, several projects for different developers, where and and actually in this scenario it was the biggest issue on all the projects were the fact that they needed sewer capacity credits from DeKalb County. So when the different, they, there was a, a CID already in place and the, um, the director or the uh, chairperson called a meeting with the members of the CID and found out that we, our firm was on several of the engineering um, teams working on different projects within that CID. So they asked us to come in and just say overall to not only the ones who know, but to the ones in our CID who don't know what you guys are going through. Let us see if we could come together and speak so they can hear what the expectations are. So with that, and just fast forward, what that allowed us to do was to identify the area, one, two, identify the the challenges that were 
everyone that was in that CID, if they did a new project, even if they weren't doing it then, if they were planning to, they knew exactly what they were going to be up against. And what it also allowed us to do is we actually went to the cab county and said, this is not a one owner or one uh, project that's coming. If this CID is able to do a, a long-term project to free up um, sewer capacity, is that something that we could do as a group to open up the opportunities for everyone in that group if we went went ahead and preemptively you know, prepared or provided credits for the basin? So what I did, it helped, it helped in a planning sense, not just for the individuals who were there then, but it helped to someone who's, oh, next week I'm going to turn my restaurant into a office or, you know. So it started, it sounds like, just to recap, it started off with the CID approaching you saying, come present to us, tell us about this. And then that formed into a more longer term relationship. Yes, correct. That's awesome. I love that. Mm. I love that. Definitely. Tom, what do you think about the CID? Should Shambly have one? Absolutely. By, without a doubt. There's been, they've tried to form them a couple different times. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I think a lot of it has to do with the makeup of it and where it is. Um, but I think it's also very important that business owners, while it may be an additional tax, that they understand that you have more control over that money, that it's going to literally come back into your community. And you don't have to go far. All you have to do is go to the perimeter and go look at or go up Gwinnett. Like if you go up 85 and you look at all the interchanges outside 285 and how they're all landscaped and how beautiful they are, that was all done by their CID that, you know, self-taxed and created that and makes the whole Gwinnett County area look beautiful as you go down the freeway. Go to Midtown. Go to Downtown. I mean, Perimeter Mall. Mall. That's all yeah. It's not just the beautification yeah. either. It's... I mean, what they do, they do sidewalks and they do um, beautification projects and just different things like that, that they're really able to put money back into the community and do things that will enhance and make it look better. And then it helps businesses come in because they're like, oh, this is great. This things really look good around here. I know over at the perimeter CID, one of the things besides beautification is they actually pay those police officers that are out there during the rush hour helping direct traffic are paid for by the CID. It's not done what he's saying, hey, we're going to put police officers Same out Same thing like in Midtown. Midtown yeah. Blue is all paid for out of the CID out funds. Out of the CID Correct. funds. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And the only correction I want to make is we do have some business owners that listen to this podcast and I don't want them to freak out by your statement where you said the business owners bank. It's not actually the business owners. It's, owner. it's the property owners. owners. Now, we yeah, do have right. a lot of commercial property owners. They're also running their business. For example, right here, we're in this beautiful building at 3411 Coworking. Uh, you know, the owner of the property also runs the co-working business. So there's a prime example of here's someone who would have to buy into that and say, how is that going to not only help? my property, but help my business. Right. Exactly. So. Well, I think a lot of the CIDs, too, are really looking at the circulation, right? pedestrian and vehicular, in and around all the businesses in the whole CID, that, that they can really do some kind of planning on how best to serve that whole business community. Now, we've spent a lot of time talking about overarching themes, but we really haven't talked a lot about your business other than you to tell us what you do. And can you tell us a little bit about Kevin, your role in the business, you know, what what parts do you deal with? we got 30 people in the company. What are you doing on a day-to-day basis? Okay, so my my role, I um, started off primarily as a design engineer because I'm a registered professional engineer by trade and designing designer of um, projects. 
as I evolved in my career, um, I became a, a partner in the firm and currently vice president of the firm. Uh, my role has shifted more so into not doing the work as a project engineer, but doing more into getting the work and running the business portions of it. And the getting the work portion is actually some of it even goes back to what I mentioned earlier is early meetings with developers, owners, and looking at parcels and doing some preliminary input of of the project before they get it. So that's part of getting the work, pricing it for my firm, and then also a lot of the corporate roles in the business, um, employees, um, just general marketing, some of the marketing um, functions, um, working with the group and that. So I've kind of involved more from design into more of the corporate role over my years. So I want to ask you, as a financial planner, what I heard in all that, the mm-hmm. first phrase was partner. So okay. how many partners are in this company? How many of, the, of them are you? So we have four partners and then three associates for a total of seven. Okay. Seven owners. Seven yeah. owners. Yeah. So... We've mainly, up to this point, mainly had a lot of mom and pop businesses, um, a lot of self, uh, you know, owned businesses. And the overarching theme is, you know, when we ask, would you take on a partner? Most of them are like, no, because let's be honest, the average entrepreneur, they grab hold of that baby and they say, hey, I'm never letting go. So what is it like? Tell us, since this is the first time we've had a guest where we could say, what's it like to have partners? How is that dynamic work? You know, how do you all function together? You know, do you meet regularly and say, all right, here's what we got going on this month and vote on stuff? Or does everyone sort of have their own little fiefdom? No, so I mean, in my opinion, and the fact that our firm is um, seven, sorry, thirty people, and we have um, seven owners with four partners, it it it's a unique mix in that um, we're a small firm, but we feel like we are run by the we run the firm in terms of the every the thought, the the decisions, we do our strategic planning, so. To me, it's a good mix because um, I know original Dan Everly, who the firm is named after, he was 100%. At some point in his transition, he figured, you know, I could be worth more than being a one-man owner, $1 million firm, to the number of owners we have now approaching $8 million. So that more buy-in at that point. Yeah, so we have more buy-in. We have profit sharing. So we set targets, and based on us achieving the targets or not, then you know we can feel and have the actual um, you know be compensated compensated for the effort. So each of us have a portion of the firm. That's why we you know I mentioned running the, running the business, doing the work, or getting the work. We either we all buy into some portion of that, and or some dual portion of that. And as an owner, we are always saying, okay, you're now an owner. Which two pieces of of this do you want to take charge of? Sure. So. Well, we got to take a, a quick 30-second break to hear from one of our sponsors, and then we're going to come back and play a fun game we like to do called Hot or Not, Tom. I know it's been a long time. You, you remember Hot or Not? I certainly do. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. If you recently got divorced, you may be wondering how to pick up all of the financial pieces. Is it time to make a new budget, new goals, and get a new game plan with your investments? What about the best way to save money on your taxes? Take control of your money future. Go to oxygenfinancial.net to schedule a complimentary meeting today 
Go to oxygenfinancial.net to get started right now. Securities offered through Kestrel Investment Services, member of FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Kestrel Advisory Services, an affiliate of Kestrel Investment Services. Oxygen is not affiliated with Kestrel. Welcome back to Between Two Trains, a bi-monthly business podcast where we interview the best and brightest entrepreneurs in the North DeKalb area. We are ready to play our hot or not, and I'll, Tom, I'll take the first one. So, Kevin or Amy, either one of y'all can answer this. Hot or not, Shambly. Hot. Just plain old Shambly. Hot? Kevin hot. says hot. Oh, definitely hot. All right, Amy, why is it hot? Well, I think um, because you see both the economic development coming on the commercial side, but also on the residential side, that with the um, MARTA and the movement out from the city of Atlanta, there's a, a lot of interest and excitement happening in Chambly right now. You agree with that, Kevin? Oh, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I like the direction in terms of the the growth, in terms of the quality of life approach to design and the streetscape and the businesses and the whole planning for the city where parks, restaurants, um, the residential where you're close to Mars. So it's, you know, the urban city that's so do you do you would you say that this phrase live work play is more than just uh, a catchy thing that cities like to say but it's it's real i mean is it's, this really the direction we're going that live work play it's 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 real and it's alive and um, being in the development world i'm seeing that more you know i'm a, it took me a while to embrace but i'm i've definitely embraced it and appreciate it especially when you go after the fact to a city or a location where it wasn't that way, set up that way, and then you you actually experience park, walk over to the um, you know, the water fountain, yeah, sorry, the, the playground area and then go to the park, go to the restaurant. So I'm interested. Why why did it take you a while to be sold on the idea? Well a lot of it was just basically the design aspects of it where, you know, my hat is okay, yes, this is a good plan, but will it work? Is it functional? So I, some of the, I uh, think I mentioned earlier, just um, casually, not casually, casually, about the parking lots and, you know, bring the buildings to the street and a lot more walking area, pedestrian area. Mm-hmm. A lot of my thoughts in the metro area was people like to just, you know, five people in the house, five people drive different cars, and, you know, those are old habits that weren't going to be broken. Especially here in the South. We, yes. we are so tied to our cars. Yeah. Hell, if I'm at the Chick-fil-A in Chambly Plaza and I got to go to the Office Depot, which is just a block away, guess what? I'm not walking to the Office exactly. Depot. I'm getting in my car and driving there. However, And I need to change my mentality. I know that because I'm still stuck in that past. I haven't bought in like you have. Well, that comes from how, how it's been designed around automobiles in the sense that if you were in Manhattan, you would walk three times that far and not think twice about it because in that distance, you have so much to take in walking down the street between people, stores, whatever, that you know you, you have so much to do. Where here, yeah, to walk from Chick-fil-A to Office Depot is like walking down a highway. It, yeah, you it know, is walking that, down it the is, highway. Literally. <laughs> and that's what makes a big difference. And that's where you, you see in design plans now where bring it up to the street, you know, slow down the traffic, give people something to do. And then it totally changes people's Mm -hmm. mindset. Like just to quickly touch on the whole scooter movement that we have going on in Atlanta and, you know, the the fights and arguments about where they're left and everything. That's funny. Kevin mentioned this before the show. Such a big deal. I haven't ridden one yet. I'm going to get one and put it in a parking garage where nobody can see me kill myself. But 
it's such a big deal because it's that last mile of connectivity of, you know, hey, great, I can ride MARTA to Midtown, but how do I get to the other side of the Georgia Tech campus now? Kevin's looking because he knows what my question is going to be. Before the show, Kevin and I were talking about this, and Kevin is not sold on the scooter movement that he's hoping it's just a fad, right? Yeah, and the reason my uh, apprehension with that is, um, whereas I was in South Beach recently and just different places where it's, you know, every other person had a scooter. And it just was a conflict and confusion in terms of where do the scooters ride? Are they on the sidewalks or are are they in a four-foot strip on the street? And with the fact of, like, at that time, I was trying to walk and, you know, exercise, get my pedestrian exercise work on and there was such a conflict of understanding what goes well, where. Somewhere they belong. Oh and it's at your absolute point that's probably exactly what's going on in Midtown right now as well. And it's it's exactly that. It's like they're not the you know when I talk about the scooters, I'm not talking about your motorized one. I'm talking about those little you know tiny ones. And the thing with them is is like yeah, you don't want to be riding that down a street or on the downtown connector as you've probably seen the picture of one that was on the downtown connector. But you also you know, don't want to be on the sidewalk. So where do I go with that thing? And exactly what what design needs to happen, and it probably needs to happen sooner rather than later, is you need to start looking at streets that are designed with a bicycle path, which we've been talking about for years, and we're very slow. And like even Chambly, as they're doing design now, like around the MARTA station, we need to keep that in mind that as they start doing sidewalks and stuff, hey, Let's leave room for a bike lane because those scooters will be out here too. And it will make Chambly that much more desirable if you come into the Marta station and you need to get all the way to over to, you know, someplace on Peachtree Boulevard. Boom. Do you want to have well, a time? We have time for one more hot or not. Do you have one to throw yeah, in? Yeah, real quick. I'll, um, I'll do this. Is the customer always right? And this is interesting because you're not, you don't have traditional customers. No, we don't. So... We are a service provider, so our approach <laughs> is the customers are right. However, it's still a not because the challenge is they're not always right. They're not always right. <laughs> and we, you know, they always say like designers are the bearers of bad news. So we based on our role, we are not more that we're not the artistic, we're the engineers of what can go, you know, what can go here from what cannot. So we have to present the ad, the exact facts of this is what you have, this is what you deal with, and then work backwards to say with what you have available, this is what you can get, and it may be at this cost. Are you are you willing or able to deal with that? So, right. most times it's not the first thing the client wants that they come in and they get because of that, and we are always ended up having to say, well, not really. This is these are the you know this piece of land has been here for. 40 years on the boat because of this reason. There's, there's a reason that we've been built here yet, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, Kevin, Amy, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. And uh, you can catch us in two weeks where we'll have another great entrepreneur for you. Uh, in the meantime, go back and listen to some of our old shows. If you're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, you can check us out on there. Or just go to our website at betweentwotrains.com and check out all of our old episodes. Tom, thanks again for co-hosting. Let's not make it six months. Right. Let's get you on here again a lot quicker. It. And uh, thanks for listening. Thank you.